Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. Oh, wow, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on Israel News Talk Radio. I apologize. A lot of shows, I can't even tell you how many shows I missed. I was not well, as so many. I must, I have to confess, I succumbed, didn't succumb, but I, I got COVID, Corona. Don't know what version, don't know what level, don't know what, in what context. And every time I felt healed enough to do the next show, I would have a wackadoo relapse. And suddenly, I became aware, I became reaware of the preciousness of time. We're going to talk today a lot about time. Today's show actually is going to involve itself more and more with leadership or shall I say, lack thereof. But nevertheless, we are going to revisit time, the preciousness of our days, the preciousness of our relationships, and the preciousness of creating friendships that we have not even yet begun to experience, which brings us to our romper room moment. So let me say, wow, it's late at night in both the U.S. and Canada listening in. Bokeh Tov Eretz Israel, South Africa is with us this morning. Thank goodness you woke up and you're on time. You haven't been on time the last few weeks. And let's see, we have the UK with us very early and Saudi Arabia. My friend Linda is actually visiting Saudi Arabia. Um, If you run into Linda, say hi. So (laughs) on today's show, we're going to talk about inspiration, the preciousness of time, what makes real leadership and anything else that kind of makes me uh, kind of tickled my fancy in the last few weeks that I lay <laughs> looking at my living room ceiling, <laughs> thinking, this is what they were talking about. This is what they must have meant. So stay with us. And um, let me just tell you that the view this morning from my Jerusalem window as I look out to all of you is bright, sunny, and filled with love. My name's Andrea Simintov. See you on the other side. Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Simintov, pull up a chair on Israel News Talk Radio 
Coffee.com while we were all having our coffee or tea or our nightcaps, certainly for those in the U.S. and Canada. Um, New Zealand joined us. So good morning, New Zealand. So, um, okay. So I started today. I was kind of muttering because I do that best. Uh, I was muttering about time, time, time. And as I was, I was just, so I had this terrible few weeks, a shock. I thought I knew everything. I thought I could project. It's like somebody who's, it's like people who who, who don't have children, um, who either have chosen not to have children or haven't been blessed with children. And they know just how they would be with children. And then suddenly they find themselves with children, babysitting children, birthing children. And they find out that everything they knew, everything they were so clear about, just take all of those plans and out the window. Man plans and God laughs. There was nothing I couldn't tell you about how I would handle COVID. Well, if I, if I, if I, if I ever said anything about that on the show, just like ignore it, erase those tapes. So, but I had a lot of time to think, you know, when I was lucid enough, I had a lot of time to think and think and think about the pressures of time. And we talk about it. Certainly, on the Jewish calendar, if not the Jewish week, we say it is Yom Rishon, Mi Shabbat. We just, we're a day away from Shabbos. We're two days away from Shabbos. We're three days away from Shabbos. Shabbos is the linchpin of our existence. And I was thinking, uh, many of you have heard the story. There are several stories, and it's very funny. The morals of these stories are always the same, but the circumstances are different. But many of us, I remember years ago, I think it was in the 1980s or early 90s, a story came out, it must have been the 80s, about a Japanese soldier who had been hiding. He was hiding during World War II, fighting and hiding from the Western enemy, the American enemy, and he was in the forest. And he was found after, I believe, 24 years or 28 years. He didn't know the world was over, the, the war was over. And I remember we laughed about that story in our house. Oh, yuck, yuck. <laughs> oh, well, well, that's a real surprise for you. A tragedy. A human tragedy, 24, 28 years, gone, cannot go back. I remember growing up and hearing the stories about a prisoner um, turning the grist mill. His job in the prison was to turn the um, the. The, the the millstone, that was what we called, those massive stones, and he would just walk around from morning until night, and he could not see the grain on the other side. And there were two versions of this story I heard. One was a prisoner was doing this year in, year out, and what kept his spirits up? To know that his life had some purpose, that at least he was grinding he was grinding the seeds and making flour for somebody to live. And this gave him hope. And then there was another version of the story where after years and years, this prisoner was released and he saw when he went outside that there was nothing. Nothing was being ground. Nothing was happening. He was turning the mill, the, the stone for years and years and decades for absolutely no purpose at all. And in this particular story, he died. 
He just died at the futility of his existence. And I was thinking about relationships, misunderstandings, the things that we don't want to talk about because why bring it up and what difference will it make? And the time we lose, so many of us look back afterwards and say, oh my gosh, I didn't know. If only we had shared. I had no idea. The assumptions, the assumptions, the assumptions. And as I lay staring at my ceiling and looking at the dust on the ceiling fan and remembering some home hacks on how to clean it, um, I didn't just feel the spiritual time passing. I really physically felt the tick, tick, tick of the clock and I could not get up, but I did vow to make it up. And at the same time, very recently, we had a visit in Israel, and I know that so many of you have heard of him. This guy, Nick, I'm going to say his name wrong. No, I'm going to say it right. Nick uh, Vujicic. Nick Vujicic. He's an Aussie American. He lives in LA now, but born in Australia. And he was born without arms and legs. And apparently, he's a uh, he's become a big evangelist. And he's got a lot of great videos out there. Thankfully, he doesn't uh, spout too much on his videos about things that do not really cross, uh, you know, my religious, uh, threaten my religious path. But nevertheless, what is so amazing is here is a guy that was born with every reason to give up. He even talks about being suicidal at the age of 10, to be born with no arms, no legs, to be the object of mockery. His parents mainstreamed him in school. He was clearly very bright. And yet, he how many of us have working arms, working legs, working intellect, eyes that are good enough, ears that basically function, and we complain how we've been cheated. And I came across at the same time, there was this article that I came across that people are actually suffering, suffering from obsessive perfectionism. And what was very interesting was the whole gist of this article, and I don't have it in front of me, was that the search for perfectionism is kind of replacing, sort of um, supplanting, our relationships, and the mess of life. We used to interact with one another, but because we've become so isolated, it's very easy to be in a vacuum and want to make our vacuum better. And what happens is by obsessing on a perfectionism that can never be reached because it's a, how do you say, a shimmera, 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 C-H-I-M-E-R-A. That's what comes from reading, but not really being able to speak. Um, it's an illusion, but because of that, and you can never accomplish it, you don't invest. And I began to think about what is better when it's messy, okay? And I'm a little bit being dis- I'm a little bit disingenuous because I am a little bit of a minimalist. I do get rid of things. I don't have anything more than I need, not more dishes, not more food, not more clothing. But I try to have more friendships. 
And I was thinking also about, did you ever like go to these, one of these restaurants, food is real big. And you go to these restaurants and they bring you out. It's a Matisse. It's a plate. And they, they do like a swirl on the plate. <laughs> they charge you a fortune. And it's a swirl of green. It's real, and like a cherry, but halved and stuffed with, you know, little goose liver. And it's so pure. And the minute you touch it, it messes up the plate, but it's not delicious. And I was thinking about cultures that eat with their fingers. I know that certain Ethiopian meals, we have a lot of Ethiopians here in Israel. And you read the recipes and you see them. A lot of them are meant to be eaten with leaves or with fingers. And this finger bowl is to clean. It's the chicken wings. It's the mess of life, the things that taste better. So I think to myself, we can mess up the plate, mess up our hands, all that's sterility is not just keeping us from feeling, it's keeping us from one another. You know, before Shavuos, I very much wanted to do last week's show, and I just didn't have the strength. I thought, as we commemorate receiving our sacred Torah, the blueprint of our entire existence, even from before we were given it, but I did. I was unable to do it, or shall I say, I made a choice. And I wanted to just very quickly again remind you, remind reminding you to remind me about the word awe. There's nothing as trite, as trivial, as banal as to hear a teen say, "Oh, that was so awesome." The Torah taught us about awe. My dear friend, Y, we'll call her T.Y., was obsessing and saying, what is that story? What is that story about the maidservant at the foot of the Yamsuf, the Sea of Reeds, as it split? And I couldn't remember. I couldn't get back it. I couldn't find it. And then I remembered it was a story of awe that all of us stood at the edge of the sea and we're struck with awe as it split. And we all vowed to be better, to be holier, to be richer, to be more connected, to be more godlike, to be more wonderful. Like when we hear a fantastic lecture and we say, my life has changed. But unless we immerse daily in that awe and pursue it doggedly, rather than let life happen, we'll still be the maidservant who stood at the foot of the ocean, the accountant who stood, the radio host, but not the prophet. So if we want that little bit of prophecy in our lives, if we want that little extra measure of holiness, we have to just reach a tad beyond and not like the teens make life awesome, but make life awe-filled. Before we go to our break, I want to share with you, somebody sent this to me, and I thought to myself, what is precious? The most expensive liquid in the world is a tear. It's 1% water and 99% feeling. Let's think about that before we hurt someone. Andrea Simintov, see you on the other side.
Tamar Yona Show. Tamar, she's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. And we're back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Very exciting, very exciting list of listeners today. I got to tell you, we, um, all right, it's it's very nice. I do not take for granted um, you're taking time out of your very early mornings, very late nights, and for some, like New Zealand, your middle of the day, and joining me for this live hour. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to go all over my papers. I like that. Um, let's go see here. Anything I wanted to throw out at you before? Oh yeah. I forgot to throw out my email address. So if something on the show, uh, kind of, you know, tickles your fancy, want to take issue with something, or you would actually like the source, say you want a link to one of the articles that kind of excited me for the week, I will send you. I do a lot of extrapolating, I must admit, a lot of ad lib, a lot of extra. I decided that the writers of these articles need my help personally. So a lot of them are a little edited. Nevertheless, happy to send it to you, happy to communicate. And you can just write to me at Andrea at Israel News Talk Radio dot Com. Happy to send you the sources. And also, I know I have some friends out in California. I frequently send them the rabbinical sources of a lot of our divrei Torah, our words of Torah as well. I also want to throw out, uh, I do write a monthly article. I'm very happy if you'd like to receive it, be on the, radio, uh, on the waiting list and just kind of get a uh, My View from Jerusalem monthly article. Happy to include you, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. All right, this came from my friend, Afshin Imrani, Imrani. And Afshin is a, he's a physician in L.A. If any of you know him, send my regards. He doesn't know that I'm actually quoting him on the show. And I love it because in his name, of course, the transliteration of his name, Afshin, he has the name Shine. And I liked that. Is that corny? probably a little corny, but um, he's a physician and I can see that he's really a heartfelt physician. And he put up this one little, he he wrote this one thing and I just want to know if you were as moved by it as I was. According to Dr. Imrani, when a newborn enters this world, her father's heart fills with joy. His mother's spirit soars. The infant has nothing, no clothes, no accomplishments, no worldly fame or riches, just a promise of a future. And although the parents can be certain she will let them down or he will make mistakes, the love of now erases any potential future failures. Those who truly love us don't need our accolades. They don't look at our clothes, our cars, or homes. True love only demands the company of the beloved. I just want to be near you. I imagine, this is uh, Dr. Imrani speaking, I imagine 
That is the love God wants of us. On Shabbat, we let go of the glitter and glamour. We walk with our bare feet knocking on Eden's door, begging once again for that primordial intimacy. At the end of our days, we care less about money or status. And all we wish for is the comfort of the presence of loved ones and of God. When we light candles, look at our children and say, Baruch Atah Hashem, praised be you, God. We address God as you, face to face, desiring closeness, drawing near. Prayer is like a rope that pulls our ship nearer to home. I like that a lot. It was reminding me of when I was studying French. Well, I really didn't study French very much. I was a very poor language student, having said that. But I remember we have the difference between the two and vu, the familiar friendship, the two, and the distant friendship of the vu. And I realize in Lushan Kodesh, Hebrew, we say ata is you. It's a capital Aleph, a capital Y because God is a capital, but it's you, because we are created in his image. I really like that a lot. Let's see. I wrote a little um, a note here. I don't even know what I, I write these notes. I don't even know what I wrote. Okay. Also, before we go on, because I said today's show is going to be about leadership, but that's going to be more about our Torah portion. But um, in preparation for the last segment of the show, we, great teaching from the uh, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Salanter. Yisrael Salanter. Google it. Look it up, Todd. You with me? Okay. And the first teaching is emet, truth. We say emes. It's the emes. It's the truth. And this is from Rabbi Salanter. Do not speak before you are sure that you are telling the truth. Liars may succeed for a while, but in the long term, they are not trusted. A liar even if he tells the truth, is not to be believed. Your reputation depends on telling the truth. Hmm. Didn't the slave Aesop, Aesop's fables, didn't he tell us such a story? Okay, in real life, I got to tell them, I didn't have to read an article in Globes to tell you that Jerusalem now joins Tel Aviv on the world's 20 most expensive cities list. I kid you not. I live here. I actually own my apartment. My apartment looks like it was put together with bazooka gum and spit, but I own an apartment in Jerusalem, I promise you. A stone fell out, broke the uh, air conditioner the other day. But anyway, findings from a study, and it was conducted by the global mobility company, ECA. I tell you this just to let you know that I do the research. Uh, Places Jerusalem in 15th after Tel Aviv at number five. Hong Kong is ranked among the most expensive city for the second year in a row. Israel's capital of Jerusalem has joined Tel Aviv on the annual list of the world's 20 most expensive cities, according to a report published on Wednesday. I'm wondering, we have somebody listening from Saudi Arabia today. Are you finding this interesting? I would have thought that it would have been Saudi Arabia. Okay, so according to this article, it's not a surprise that Tel Aviv, known for its remarkably high cost of living, was marked sixth 
on the list after coming in seventh last year, but Jerusalem. And what's really crazy is there's so much poverty in Jerusalem. That's me speaking. I'm not going on my notes. I mean, wherever you go, people are living. There's a lot of begging, a lot of abject. So I'm not sure how they're basing it. Um, in Hong Kong, this is interesting. Uh, second year in a row, a cup of coffee costs $5.2, a liter of gas, $3, a kilo well, we haven't gotten that yet. Oh, we have Taiwan listening in and India. I was in Taiwan. That was also very, very expensive. I was in Taipei. I'm not sure about the suburbs. So also, in addition, New York was ranked second on the list. Geneva, London. Oh, my gosh. So, but who, what is the baseline? They're comparing New York City as a measure, meaning it includes the prices on many goods that aren't necessarily relevant to the Israeli public. You ready? Such as private schools or, surprise, surprise, personal housekeepers. I'm sorry, this was a serious article. I'm just looking. I'd rather talk about uh, maidservants at the edge of the uh, Yamsuf than a personal housekeeper. Okay. Good news, a lot of stuff happening on the cancer front, the health front. Fingers crossed, bated breath. So many of us have suffered. So many of us have lost loved ones. But the news coming out of incredible uh, trials, some patients with metastatic tumors that have not been significantly significantly affected by other forms of chemotherapy. New treatment came out, where is this, that um, has absolutely halted cancerous growth. This is all by the American Society of Clinical Oncology, and it was published on Sunday in the New England Journal of Medicine. Something crazy, there's going to be great changes in how cancer medicine is practiced. Um, I have so many pages of this, including new developments in research out of Sloan Kennery. I'd love to share the information with you. We don't have the time today, but here's another study uh, out of Sloan Kettering that every cancer patient entered remission after a certain drugs trial. And um, the drug trial comes down, it's called Dostarlimab, and it was administered to each patient every three weeks for six months. Crazily, it was different kinds of cancers, not just one. So when is it going to be ready for the public? I don't know, but there's going to be a lot of happy tears. Okay, before we go to the divide, this shows racing. I must tell you in the last two minutes, relates to the beginning. What are we doing with our days? What are we doing with our hours? Sarah Merrill, a mother of nine, graduated medical school. Where did she graduate? Um, she graduated this month from the Mayo Clinic, Alex School of Medicine in Phoenix. <laughs> this is you know, no shabby institution. Mother of nine, she graduated and she is planning on studying neuro, practicing neurosurgery. Her journey to medical school began at the age of 17 when she uh, she entered Dartmouth as pre-med. She got married like so many of us. She started to have babies and she said she took her MCATs when she was pregnant with her daughter and she was going to go straight in and she didn't. And so instead, she concentrated on raising her large family, not a small. I'm sure that there were a lot of doctors who became doctors, certainly women doctors, because it was easier than raising their kids. But anyway, that was a joke. That was a joke. Don't write me nasty letters. 
So anyway, she was 34. She went to go back. She took her MCATs. She got in and it's staggering. And what is her quote? She says, waiting so long to do this, I think made me appreciate it more and made me enjoy it more. And once I got into my clinical rotations, I noticed I had a lot of life experience that helped me connect with a lot of patients, especially in the OBGYN rotations. My friends, just like Sarah Merrill says, set the goals. What are we passionate about? What do we love to do? And if you know what your priorities are, focus on the next step. You'll get where you want to go. My name's Andrea. I'll see you on the other side. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American Time, 7 a.m. Israeli Time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. And we're back. Andrea Simonchov, pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I don't know about you. This is my favorite section of the show. Let me organize the computer so I can see you. Okay. Oh, I see. Colombia has joined us. Very nice. Good morning. Do you know that I have a lot of family in Colombia? I don't know. Actually, they're not there anymore. But if any of you know the family, Saragovia used to be Sragowitz. Send my regards. Okay. Let's start because we want to make sure that I get to all the things that excite me that hopefully they excite you. So this is our from the Torah to your table section where I share what I'm going to discuss. Please God at our Shabbos Kiddush that I like very much and I hope that you will discuss it with your family. And again, drop me a note. Let me know some of the more interesting um, points that were made by your table guests. So we learned that Miriam helped save the life of her brother. We know that Moshe, Moses, when he was an infant. Remember, she was the one that alerted Paro's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter, that there's a baby floating that, of course, her mother had actually put in the um, water and um, saved her brother's life. And yet she was still punished for speaking Lashen Hora, for speaking poorly about him. The Chafetz Chaim maintains that the prohibition, the we're not allowed to speak Lashon Hara, evil talk it literally translates to, but Lashon Hara is so much richer. Uh, it applies that even if that person is in your debt, or even if you have already performed many acts of kindness and many mitzvot for that person, how many times does a parent think that because they give so much to their children, they can kind of denigrate their child in front of, oh, my child, he's my son. He's not a rocket scientist. My son's not Harvard material. My daughter is, she's a little ordinary. We're not allowed to do that, even if the person of whom we're speaking is in our debt. So I encourage all of us this Shabbos to discuss this specific principle of Lashon Hara and the Avera, the sin of speaking Lashon Hara in general. Okay, so there's a point, 
there's this moment of tension and crisis in the lives of all human beings when we switch from dependence on others, parents, teachers, mentors, etc., to self-reliance and independent. I don't know about you. I'm of a certain age that I should be thinking about <laughs> both my my last will and testament on my retirement fund. And instead, I very often get nervous. Have you ever woken up at a later age and said, oh my gosh, I didn't do my homework? We still are stuck in that place. The transition is not usually accomplished easily or painlessly translating to self-reliance. And a lot, of, a lot of times there's a lot of people who never accomplish the transition and always remain in a kind of stage of dependency their whole lives. So, but healthy transition generally, uh, this is according to Rabbi Wine, generally begins in one's adolescence with that tug of war. You know, we say the whole teenage personality between parents and authority figures and the young ones trying to find their own way of life and achievement. And we often say, you know, let them make their mistakes. They'll grow from mistakes. And But it's a very, very difficult time for parents and teachers to witness their children or students making these mistakes that we, in our aged wisdom, no, could have been prevented. But you know what? Making mistakes is an integral part of life's development process. Like I always say, life is messy. A rewarding life, a good life, a meaningful life is not smooth sailing. Well, they have so many mantras. You know, somebody who's never made a mistake has never grown, has never seen, they've never soared. And, um, you know, Rabbi Wine says that he oh, that he feels, he maintains that one learns much more from the mistakes than we do from our successes and triumphs. How to bear up under the frustration and disappointment. How to be resilient in the face of failure and tragedy. This is the stuff of Jewish life and history. I know that as a mother, I see things have changed greatly. You know, everybody on the team is a winner. There's no such thing as losing anymore. There's no such thing as conflict resolution. We, you know, we, we make peace right away. We don't discuss, you know, you're right and you're right. And as Tevye says, he's also right. Rashi explains that the priest lit the lights of the great candelabra in the Mishkan, the tabernacle. And, and when he lit the taper to the wick of the lamp, he held it until the new flame rose by itself. There's a very clear message in this. When the flame is able to rise by itself, the taper that used to light itself should be removed. The new flame has to burn by itself. The next generation has to be able to make its own way. Jewish history records many difficult eras in our long and problematic history. You know, all of the generations faced similar challenges and difficulties, certainly the way they felt. The constant problem of being a moral voice and a small demographic minority. And yet we face these difficulties and challenges and we never gave up. We made it in difficult times and different locales. Localities, areas, geographical places. 
through the uh, strategies of Jewish survival, Torah observance, that is Aleph. It is it. It is central. Moral behavior, optimism, our resilience, survival remained the same. Jewish success changes, and it was adapted, but the flame had to rise itself depending on circumstance. And part of the challenge of our, you know, our current society is this kind of over-reliance. What is it? Helicopter parenting, we call it? Financially, morally, intellectually, tactically, societally, socially. We recreate this fantasy-laden past. Oh, it was all so good to justify current policies that have already proven to be less than constructive. What is going on? The task of the past is to instruct, strengthen, and like the nair, the candle, ignite a new flame, but never stifle. Where do we draw the line? The great high priest, Aharon, the, mother, the brother of uh, Moshe, he was entrusted to this task. His love of others, he was a Rodef Shalom, he chased peace, he chased um, um, just, just getting along, I'm losing the words. Um, he guaranteed that he would light the future lamps correctly while using the older taper he held in his hand. You know, it would be very easy to get the feeling that the generation of the Midbar, the desert, was a utopian society. Every member, every family of the tribe lived in complete harmony as this unified part of a greater nation. Our lives centered around the tabernacle uh, administered by their brothers from the tribe of, Le- you know, Leva, you know, Levi. Did they say Levi? The Levites. Um, the Leviim. I'm better in Hebrew. And they were all under the unquestioned leadership of Moshe and Aharon. Can you imagine a society where no one complained? Where no one challenged the selection of the Nasi'im, the princes? The tribe of Naphtali, they didn't complain about being counted last and marching last, even though Naphtali was not the youngest. Um, one tri- not one tribe complained about who their neighbor was in the encampment around the Mishkan. Ruvain, Reuben, didn't challenge Levi's selection as the administrator of the Mishkan. The sons of Mirari, whose task it was to carry the unassembled pieces of lumber of the tabernacle, they never complained that the sons of Kehot always carried the ark, the menorah, the shulchan, the um, the mizbeach, the altar the altar, the table, and never asked why they couldn't. Let's take turns and switch assignments. This Parsha, however, brings an abrupt end to tranquility as we know it. The stage is now set for what would become the norm for the Jewish people throughout history as obstinate, difficult to please, people who are impossible to govern. Our previous Torah portions that outlined that Jewish unity formed a picture of what the Jews should be like, could be like. But this week's uh, Torah portion, unfortunately, tells us what we in reality 
are like when left to our own resources. These murmurings and demand for meat was the beginning of, I love the word, a cantankerous behavior that would exhibit throughout the rest of our history. Quote, we remember the fish we ate for free in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons. This would become the equivalent to the phrase, we remember the good old days. Everything was better in the past. Okay? As Bnei Yisrael became more unreasonable and demanding, Moshe was practically tearing his hair out. Were there not enough graves to bury us in Egypt? Clearly, the episode of the golden calf was not one-off, but it said what would be the future without drive. Rabbi Salavechik explains that Moshe now realizes that being a leader is more than just being a good teacher. Quote, Rabbi Salavechik, we must have, in addition to teaching, dedication, personal commitment, for otherwise, the burden is unbearable. Selflessness, a readiness to subordinate personal career and egotistical ambitions and empathy, an ability to teach with feeling, not only clarity. So much to talk about this Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom Umivorach from Jerusalem. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candlelighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from Leak City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Norris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 